0: Welcome. Good morning. So glad to see you here. I know it's a holiday weekend. Some people may be traveling. Uh, Welcome to those who are watching us online. Glad you're worshiping with us. Say hi in the comments. Say hi to one another. And uh, we're glad that you are with us. We're talking about projects. We're talking about uh, rebuilding. Um, Every rebuild needs a place to start. Every project needs a beginning. It needs a step 1 and a step 2 and a step 3. It's not enough to have a project. It's n- it's not even enough to see the project, right? Maybe maybe that's the beginning of it. You, we said last week you have to see that there is a problem. You have to see that there's rubble or there's debris or something's broken before you can fix it. But after you see it, you have to do something. You have to take some steps in the process, and and whether you are a follow the instructions type of person, like step one, step step two, step three, or a we don't need instructions, we'll figure this out type of person, you got to have a place to start, you got to have a place to begin, to get going, not just stare at it. Now, we're studying the book of Nehemiah, and uh, if you weren't here Last week, Nehemiah is a couple of books before the Book of Psalms, which is the big book that's in the middle of your Bible. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter one in just a minute. Uh, Nehemiah is living in, serving in the Persian king's palace in Susa, and he finds out that things back in Jerusalem are bad. The walls, the the walls that surround the city are in ruin, they are in rubble, they were knocked down when Babylon came in and and overtook Judah and destroyed Jerusalem, took the Israelites captive to Babylon that becomes Persia. When Persia overtakes the Babylonians, Nehemiah finds out that uh, the citizens in Jerusalem are in trouble, like they're in disgrace, uh, they're struggling, uh, they are... um, they they could easily be attacked by their enemies and so Nehemiah begins to feel this desire to help them rebuild to help them get things put back together and and, and we talked about last week how We're kind of in a rebuilding phase after everything we experienced in 2020, even the first couple of weeks here of 2021. There's just a lot of things that got knocked down in the last year, year and a half. There's a lot of um, relationships maybe uh, that got knocked down. Um, Our norms, the way we go about our life, our habits, all of that's kind kind of in ruin right now. Uh, perhaps as we kick off 2021, there, there's some marriages that need to be rebuilt. Maybe they, maybe they don't need to be rebuilt, but they need to be strengthened. Some friendships that need to be strengthened. Some of us in our faith coming off last year when there were so many challenges spiritually, we need to be rebuilt. Our spiritual habits need to be rebuilt. Our relationship to God needs to be Now, in order to do any of that, in order to rebuild anything, you have to have a place to start. Nehemiah finds out about the problems, he sees the problems, and then he starts. This is Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard these things, the report about how bad things were in Jerusalem, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. After you see the problem and admit that it's a problem, you gotta take some steps. Now, I, I see Nehemiah taking four steps. And we're gonna we're gonna cover three this week. And we're gonna cover the fourth one next week. And I'm I'm channeling my inner Southern Baptist pastor because they all start with the letter P, all right? So And nailed the whole Southern Baptist thing. They all start with P. Here's step number one that I see Nehemiah taking. And that's the step of passion. He's he's mourning. He's broken over this. He is stirred on the inside about what's happened. He wasn't dispassionate. He didn't see himself as separated. He wasn't kind of looking objectively at this. He was broken on the inside. I ask you, what stirs your passion? What breaks your heart? When you look at the world, when you look at your community, when you, when you look at your life and the things that you wish were different, what breaks your heart right now? What stirs up your passions and, and, and I, I admit that there are some things that need to be rebuilt, whether we feel passionate about them or not. But if you're looking for a place to start in 2021, if you're looking for a place to start the rebuilding, what is that area, what is that thing that breaks your heart, that, that thing that stirs up your emotion every time you hear about it? Every time you hear a story related, what is that thing that keeps popping up again and again in your head? For Nehemiah, he didn't just hear the report. He didn't just understand the report. He was grieved. His heart was broken over the condition of Jerusalem. Right, Which is a good time to remind us that it's good and necessary to grieve what has been lost in the rubble. That's okay. not, not just okay, that's a good thing. When we look at it and we take a minute to grieve. Some of us are fixers. Some of us are kind of forward-looking fixers. Let's go take care of it type of people and that's great. We need fixers. But it's okay before we start fixing to realize what was lost in the rubble. To realize what's broken, to realize the time that was lost, the relationships that were lost. Before we start jumping into a plan, it's okay to sit with the grief. The Scripture says that for some days this went on for Nehemiah, for some days. This wasn't a casual, oh, that's terrible. This wasn't kind of a flyby, I really hate that that happened. Nehemiah is grieved over the brokenness that he sees. For some days, he sits and mourns. And we can't stay there forever. All right, Let me me say that. You can't stay there forever. At some point, you've got to move forward. You've got to take some steps. You've got to have some action plan. But it's okay. It's good to grieve what has been lost in the rubble. One of the reasons it's okay, one of the reasons it's a good thing... Is because the passion and burden that we feel, that brokenness that we feel at the beginning of a project, of seeing the brokenness, the, the passion and the, the burden that we feel at the beginning helps fuel the effort that we're going to need when we start rebuilding. Like, sincerely, really being touched down deep by the brokenness serves as a fuel to keep us going. We remember what it was like when we first saw that situation. When we were first introduced to that situation. When somebody first told us about this problem, I remember what happened in my heart. If If we take time to embrace that, if we take time to sit in that, it will become a fuel for us as we start to rebuild. Maybe what some of us need to do at the beginning of 2021 Maybe some of us need to ask God to break our hearts for something. Maybe we need to ask God to give us a burden for something, somebody, some brokenness in the world. Because if we're not careful, we'll just maintain in life. We'll get to the first and then to the 15th and then back to the first and we'll do it all over again. And we'll just kind of move through the calendar a month at a time. Continue to turn the calendar. As we start 2021, with a lot of brokenness around us, maybe the the best thing that we can pray is, God, break my heart over something. And I'm just kind of going through life. I, I don't feel a burden for anything if that's you. Ask God to break your heart this year. Ask God to open your eyes to the burden and the brokenness that's around you, in front of you, in our world, in our community, in our state, in your neighborhood, among your friends and family, maybe in your own life. God, break my heart for something this year. Now, here's an interesting thing about Nehemiah's perspective. The broken down wall that is, that is breaking the heart of Nehemiah, the broken, the broken down wall, in one sense, wasn't impacting Nehemiah's life at all. It didn't change Nehemiah's life, it didn't affect Nehemiah's life physically. Okay, remember, Nehemiah doesn't even live in Jerusalem. Chances are, Nehemiah had never even been to Jerusalem. He wasn't born in Jerusalem, he'd never lived in Jerusalem. Nehemiah lived in the palace. Right? He served in the palace. He served the king. He had a 401k. He had benefits. He had stock options. Like he had everything. He was set for life. What broke his heart is what was happening to somebody else. See, the question Nehemiah has to ask in Nehemiah chapter 1 is will I take my position, will I take the power that I have, will I use the prestige that I have, will I use the privileges that I have to benefit people that I don't even know yet, to benefit a situation that I'm not even a part of? How can I take the position that I have, the power that I have, the privilege that I have, and use it, For the benefit of somebody else. Like you you and I have to think that way. We, we, We have to think, God, there's a lot of brokenness in our world that really they don't, it doesn't affect me. I mean, I could live my life and stay out of it. But the question for followers of Jesus is: God, how do I use what you've given me for the benefit of somebody else? We need to ask God to break us, not just for the benefit of us. We need to ask God to break us for the benefit of others. But how do I care enough about somebody else that I would be willing to take action? Step one, passion. What do I feel deep in my heart? What am I broken about? What am I burdened for? Step two in Nehemiah it's prayer. As Nehemiah felt this passion, this mourning, this grieving in his gut, Nehemiah be- immediately begins to pray. Like he, he begins to call out to God. Why? Here's why. If we're broken by the rubble that we see, then we'll know that we need God's help in the rebuild. Like, if you and I get an accurate picture of the brokenness of this world, if we get an accurate picture of the brokenness of, of our community, of our neighborhood, of the people that we interact with, if you and I get an accurate picture of the brokenness, then we're going to realize we are not sufficient to rebuild the brokenness by ourselves. It's, it's going to become clear that, God, we need you if this is going to work. Like We need you to be at work in us If we're going to be able to impact the brokenness of the world around us, even in our own relationship, in our our marriages, God, God, if you're going to heal, if this is going to be healed, you're going to have to help us heal it because we are not capable. I mean, let's be honest. Most of the messes that we see, we helped create in somehow. Most of the brokenness in our own lives, we were a part of creating that brokenness, so we are not going to be able to get ourselves out of that brokenness without the help of God. And I think that's one of the main reasons that Nehemiah immediately, in his grieving, in his mourning, he begins to pray, and hear a couple of things about his prayer. In his prayer, Nehemiah remembers who God is. That's the first thing. Nehemiah remembers who God is. And when you and I feel the brokenness, see brokenness in our world, we have to remember who God is. Here's the beginning of his prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Right? Nehemiah's just heard about the brokenness. He knows about the brokenness. His heart is grieved, but he remembers that even in the brokenness, God is great and awesome. You're the God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people Israel. In all of the brokenness, Nehemiah remembers, God, you're still covenant-keeping God. You still keep your promises. You still love people. You're still committed to your people, and you still hear our prayers. God, I remember who you are. Skip down to verse 8. Nehemiah is still praying. He says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Nehemiah, in his prayer, remembers that God said, if you disobey me, I'm going to scatter you. And God hasn't changed. If you disobey me, I'm going to scatter you. But he also remembers that God promised that if his people returned to him, he'd receive them again. He'd love them. He'd forgive them. Nehemiah takes a moment in his prayer to remember who God is, whatever the brokenness is in your life or in our world or in your neighborhood or among your friends or in your family, no matter what the brokenness is, remember that God is not changed. He's good and awesome. He hears our prayers. He welcomes us back when we return to Him. Nehemiah remembered who God is, and then secondly, in his prayer, Nehemiah repented of who the people had been. He remembered who God was. But then he repented. Of who the people had been. You and I. We can't move forward. Until we acknowledge. The mistakes of the past. When there's brokenness. The step in the process. Is We've got to own what got us here in the first place. We've got to own why the walls are down, why there's rubble everywhere. The Bible calls this repentance, confession. God, this was a mistake, and I admit it, and I don't want to do it anymore. Nehemiah repents for who the people had been. Here's the thing, before you and I can be a part of the solution, before I can be a part of the solution, I have to admit where I've been a part of the problem. Before I can be a part of the solution, I've got to be honest and admit, well, I've been a part of the problem up until now, and here's how. we got to get honest about our own sin, our own brokenness. Our own mistakes. Now, I'm not saying we have to do this over and over again. I'm not saying we have to repent of the same thing over and over again. I'm not saying we have to keep piling guilt on ourselves. I'm just saying that repentance is necessary in order to rebuild. In order to build a sufficient foundation, I've got to admit what got me here in the first place, right? I've got to own. The brokenness that contributed to this. And we're not not good at that, living in 2021. We're not good at owning our contribution to the rubble, to the debris, to the problem on on a national level. As you look at the national discourse that's happening here, the discourse goes something like this. If the side I'm not on makes a mistake, then I point that out. You messed up. You were wrong. We're going to hold this against you. And then when my side makes a mistake, I keep pointing at the other side. Yeah, but you made a mistake too. I didn't hear you say anything when your side made a mistake. Why are you saying something when my side made a mistake? You're being very vocal now. You didn't have anything to say a couple months ago when your side did that. See, this is the whole discourse in our nation. That's why there's no moral high ground anymore in our nation. Because every time somebody does something wrong, nobody says, you know what? That's my side and we were wrong. That's me and I'm wrong. That's us and we made a mistake and we need to stop making a mistake. Nobody uses that discussion anymore the discussion is always oh but what about you? but what what about them? If you sincerely want to rebuild anything that's broken, you got to walk through repentance first. You got to walk through some ownership. This is what we did. This is what I said. These are the decisions I made and that's why the wall is down because of me. We live in a time when no one wants to call their own fouls. Have you noticed that? You ever play pickup basketball? Call your own fouls. right? Yep, I, I got him on the wrist. That was me. Yep, that was me. Nobody wants to call their own fouls anymore. We want to call the fouls of everybody else and everybody else's team and everybody else's side. But nobody wants to step up and say, this is where I'm wrong. This is how I've created the brokenness That I see. Listen to the words of Nehemiah. This is the second part of verse 6. I confess the sins we Israelites, notice the personal pronoun, I and we, not they and them, I and we. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you, God. We, personal, we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant. Most calls out his whole side, all of us, we, I. This is what we did. We're broken. We're responsible. We sinned. I sinned. He confesses for everyone. He confesses generational sin you notice that he confesses generational sin my father's family sin I sin my family my father's family sin we sin some of the sin that he's confessing is 200 year old sin remember when the walls were broken down 170 years before Nehemiah prays this prayer of repentance is when the walls came down. is confessing sin that happened before he was born. 170 years ago, we, I, my family, we sinned, I own it. He's not afraid to confess, to repent, even of generational sin god we were wrong. we are in this situation now because we've been sinning for a really long time we can't skip over this in the rebuilding of things we, we can't just jump past this we sin i sinned i was wrong Repentance is necessary. Here's the thing. Too many many people want to rebuild, but they don't want to repent of the actions that caused the destruction. They want to rebuild, but they don't want to turn from, they don't want to repent of the very actions that caused their destruction. It won't happen. You won't rebuild if you don't repent of what knocked down the walls in the first place. You, you, you won't build a strong wall if you can't accept and acknowledge your role, your side's role in the walls falling down. We, um, we We often hear people say, we often use the excuse of, Hey, can we, can we just move on? Can we just move forward? Like, can we, Why do we have to keep rehashing all of that? Can we just start fresh? Nehemiah says, no, you can't start fresh. I mean, even if you have to go back 200 years and repent of something, you better go back 200 years and repent. You can't just start fresh. You know who wants to start fresh? You know what language that is? Can we just get a fresh... That's the language of abusers. It's a language of abusers who don't want to own what they did in the problem. Can we just start? Can we just not talk about that anymore? We've talked about that. Enough. Can we just not talk about that? And no, we've got to talk about it if we haven't repented of it. Nehemiah says, We're part of this, we acknowledge our role in this destruction. So in his prayer, he remembers God. He repents of the role of the people in the problem. And thirdly, in his his prayer, Nehemiah made a request for divine assistance. He remembers God. He repents of sin. And he requests that God would now, now that he has a repentant heart, the people have repentant hearts, now that God would go to work. Nehemiah knew, I can't do this by myself. We can't fix this by ourselves. God, we need you. It's right at the end. Verse 11, Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah prays. the end of his prayer. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And this man is the king, the Persian king Artaxerxes, God, you got to open this door because we can't open it. God, you got to rebuild because we can't rebuild. You got to give us the power. You got to give us the strength. You've got to give us direction, God. We need you. I'm making a divine request for divine assistance. This wall needs to be rebuilt, but we are not sufficient in and of ourselves to fix this. God, I need you. I think Nehemiah is asking for. Two things. He's looking for assistance. God, I need divine assistance. But I think in his prayer, Nehemiah is also looking for divine confirmation. God, is this the wall that you want me to rebuild? Is this the calling that you've put on my life? This is why prayer is so important. One of many reasons. In rebuilding, the reason prayer needs to come at the beginning... Is because you and I need to make sure God has called us to this particular brokenness. There's brokenness everywhere. I'm not minimizing brokenness. I'm saying that one person can't enter into all the brokenness in the world. You and I have got to seek divine assistance, divine confirmation for the part of the wall that you're called to and I'm called to. And look, I, I know some people substitute prayer for action that 's not what i 'm talking about I'm not i 'm not talking about those people who every time you ask them to do something say, "Let me pray about it and really that 's their way of saying you 're never going to hear from me again all right i 'm not talking about that i 'm talking about honestly seeking the Lord to know God is this what you 're calling me to because i'm going i'm gonna, i'm going to go after this, but I need to know this is what you 're calling me to He wanted that confirmation that what Nehemiah was feeling in his gut. What Nehemiah was feeling in his heart was really from God. And God was really calling him to repair the wall. Because here's what I have found in my life and in other people's lives. Passion, though it can provide some fuel, emotion eventually wears out when a project gets hard. Passion alone, emotion alone, even brokenness alone won't sustain us when the job gets really hard. We all hear sad stories, real stories, real brokenness, and we have an emotional reaction. And that's a great thing. But passion's got to be coupled with calling, too. We've got to know, God, you've called me to this wall. So that when resistance comes, and it's coming. It's coming in chapter 2. It's coming in chapter 4. It's it's Resistance is coming. When we meet resistance, when we get discouraged, when the process of rebuilding is slower than we thought it was going to be, when we're tempted to give up, We need to be able to come back and say, God, but I know you've called me to this wall. It is hard right now. I don't see a lot of progress right now, but you have called me to this wall. Even though I don't, I don't even feel any emotion anymore, I don't feel the passion that I did at the beginning, but you have called me to this wall. Sometimes we just need to know that God has called us to this responsibility, to this spot, to this brokenness. Step three passion. We felt the brokenness. We committed to pray. We prayed for assistance. We prayed for confirmation. We repented. We, we're in a, a spirit of prayer. And then step three. The preparation that's taking place in our life, passion, prayer, step three, preparation. Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, it ends with kind of a strange line. It's almost kind of like out of nowhere. It doesn't fit. It almost feels like well, you should have put that up at, at like verse three when you were starting things. Why it just kind of shows up at the end. Uh, of chapter one, and it's just this line: Nehemiah prays this amazing prayer to God, and then chapter one ends. I was cupbearer to the king. Like that's it. Just I was cupbearer to the king. But but in that in that last little sentence, there's layers of information that gets revealed to us. The cupbearer to the king. Maybe you know this. The cupbearer to the king is had to be one of the most trusted positions for any king. Um, they would bring out the wine when it was when it was time to celebrate. And it, and it wasn't that the king needed to be able to trust them to choose the really good wine. They needed to trust them that the wine hadn't been poisoned before it came out to the king. That was the role of the cupbearer before every other role the cupbearer made sure nobody was trying to kill the king and overthrow The throne. This had to be somebody the king absolutely trusted. Now, the odd thing is we have a Persian king and a non-Persian cupbearer. It's debatable whether the king knew he was Jewish at the time, but the king definitely knew he wasn't Persian. What that tells us is for years and years in a foreign land among people who weren't like him, didn't believe like him. Their culture was different. Their morals were different. In a foreign land, for years and years and years, Nehemiah had been faithful and a man of integrity and a man of character. So much so, His character was so unquestioned. His honesty was so undeniable that a Persian king said, I'm going to put you between me and anybody who might want to kill me. I trust you that much. Your character has spoken so loudly. I trust you that much. Now, here's what Nehemiah didn't know. In all of the years of being faithful and being honest and living in integrity, and and living out character, Nehemiah had no idea that one day God was going to put him in the position to rebuild the walls back in Jerusalem. No idea. Nehemiah just kept being faithful. A foreign king who wasn't a believer in Nehemiah's God, probably didn't implement policies that Nehemiah's God would have liked all the time foreign culture, foreign people, and Nehemiah lived out his integrity day after day as God was preparing him for the role he was going to to play. See, Nehemiah's preparation put him in the place where God could use him. Nehemiah's preparation, that daily character preparation, that daily walk of integrity, that daily faithfulness, eventually allowed God to put him in the exact position God needed him to be in. God is preparing some of you for the position He's going to put you in one day. You don't know it yet. You, you don't know that one day you're going to find out about a broken down wall and you're going to look around and realize God's, God's put me in the right place to do something about that wall. What you need to do is keep walking faithfully. Just Keep being a person of integrity of keep continuing to honor God where you are in the season that you are because God is positioning you so that one day He can tap you on the shoulder and say, do you see that wall? You're the one I'm sending there. I put you in the right place. I've given you the right preparation." We're going to rebuild things. You got to be faithful. You got to keep walking. You got to keep honoring God. There's a lot that's broken in our world, there's a lot of rubble. There's a lot that needs to be rebuilt. God is looking for people with broken hearts and a mind full of prayer to the God that can do something about it repentant hearts passionate hearts prepared hearts I want to be that person I want you to be that person I want God to trust us with a wall. I want God to trust you with a wall somewhere. And to say, go fix it. Would you bow your heads close your eyes? We're just going to be still for a moment. And I want to pray for us. I want to pray that our hearts would break for the right things this year. I want to pray that you and I would be burdened by the things that are burdening the heart of God right now. I want to pray that we would own our culpability in the brokenness. We wouldn't point fingers at others. We would repent of ourselves. And that we would be found faithful in the moment that God calls us to the wall. God, I pray for us. Pray for us. We live inside this system that's always turning and rolling. Calendars are flipping. Birthdays are coming and going. Wake us up in 2021. Wake us up to broken hearts for walls that need to be built. Give us a tender heart to our own need to repent. Remove the judgmental nature that we're so prone to and prepare us. Prepare us for the position that you're getting ready to put us in. Nobody looking around. We're just keeping our eyes closed. As an act of surrender... As, an, as a way to say at the begin, beginning of 2021, God, I'm here. I'm here for the wall that you're calling me to. Would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise one hand? Let, let, let God physically, visibly see us with our hands lifted up to say, God, I'm here. I'm here. God, use us. Use us to mend this world that we live in. I pray it in Jesus' name.